Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. It has happened before. All right. Bill's Mafia, how are you doing on this wonderful Monday? Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I am your host, Vince Taylor. You are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network where we have... New Buffalo Bills content for your ears every single day of the week. I have a great show for you today as I have two of my favorite people in the Mafia, in the Mafia hot seat, Justice General and back of the herd, Jeremy from Process on Tap, uh, two of my favorite people, as well as Justin Goddard for his weekly segment, Real or Silly. So let's go ahead and get started. You have to be feeling much better about this win against the Carolina Panthers. And I know it sort of feels like if you ever go to a Chinese restaurant and you go to the buffet and you look at the sweets table and they have those little cakes and they usually look good and they have like amazing designs on them. But when you go to taste them, they taste like nothing. There's no sweetness to it. There's no sugar in it. It's just blah. It's just tasteless. That's kind of what this victory feels like to me and I don't want to start off this podcast complaining about victories because we need every victory we can get right now and it does set us up because of that wonderful gift of the Indianapolis Colts beating the Patriots for a division showdown this coming week against the Patriots the winner will be the leader in the AFC East because we won so let's not be too upset over a victory, I guess, if that's a thing. But they were starting Cam Newton. Now, I know they have a great defense, and they did make it tough on Josh for a little bit. But they were starting Cam Newton, and they were completely inept on offense. And they couldn't do anything. And Cam is just washed. If you remember that one throw deep that he had to uh, DJ Moore, I believe, he was he was beat. And he had to slow down for it and come back to it, which allowed the cornerback to come back and get to it. It took every ounce of Cam Newton's strength to make that throw and underthrow it like 30 yards downfield. Cam Newton is washed. I have no idea why they're still continuing to start him. Yeah, he gives you a little something with his legs, but that's not today's NFL. If you can't pass, you can't win. And I think they probably should have started P.J. Walker. But big thank you to Matt Rule for making that decision to start Cam Newton. Um, But... You know, it's a, a win is a win, as I keep saying. I thought the defense played pretty well, even if it was against Cam. I thought the offense, specifically Devin Singletary, gave us a spark of life. Now, his numbers weren't eye-popping, but he had some big runs, and he was physical as he was, as it has been all year long. You see him dragging people with him consistently. Motor has done that all year long and has not gotten the credit for it because we all want to, you know, look at the shiny new toy in Zach Moss. Zach Moss has not been physical. Zach Moss has not had those runs. And Singletary has, despite not being the, quote, physical back. Uh, but he still got a little shiftiness to him, hung onto the ball, didn't fumble it away. 
Uh, so you know I'm Team Motor, and I'm going to sing Motor's praises every time I can. And, uh, you know, not a bad day for Motor. 22 carries, 86 yards, and, of course, the one touchdown. So yards per carry is not great. But in this offense, we'll take whatever we can get. Josh Allen, on a bad ankle, still ran three times for 24 yards. He got the 210 yards passing on 34 attempts. Three touchdowns, though. And for those of you who didn't know about Gabe Davis this year, where have you been? Gabe Davis has been making great plays all this year and last year. Uh, five catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns for Gabriel Davis. Uh, he makes big catches all the time. He's getting a bigger opportunity because Emmanuel Sanders was inactive yesterday. Uh, Dawson Knox, another big day. He had a lot of catches in the middle, in, in the beginning of the game and kind of got lost, I think, for the rest of the game. But four catches, 38 yards. He was targeted a few more times. And uh, I think he actually had a catch that was wiped out. Uh, Diggs, four catches, 35 yards, and that one touchdown going up against uh, Stephon Gilmore, who wanted to be on TV, got that TV against him on television, and, and also the false start against him on, on television. So how you like them apples? But uh, Cam Newton, 18 out of 38 for 156 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Going into the middle of the third quarter, there was a time where Cam Newton had a yards per attempt, not yards per completion, yards per attempt of like three yards uh, per pass. Uh, he's just, it's just really bad. He was a leading rusher, 15 carries, 71 yards and a touchdown. I forgot to mention that the Carolina kicker was injured during warmups and they basically had no place kicker. They were squibbing it on every kickoff uh, I, I believe with the punter, but they, they, there's video of them trying out different people running through, trying to get them to, to kick easy field goals. And they just couldn't do it, which forced them to be aggressive. Um, and I think it actually worked out for them in this game. Uh, you can make the argument that they left some points on the board and this game was probably a little bit closer than what it seemed. Um, and I'm open to that argument. Maybe they left three or six points on the board because of that. But, uh, you know, if the bills couldn't win, against this depleted and inept Carolina's team, then you just need to stop. All of everybody that thinks that we have a chance at the Super Bowl, it's not happening. If we couldn't beat this team, just put that to bed, right? Too many losses like that this year. And, uh, you know, I think we're hanging on to stuff a little bit too much there. But as it is right now, the Bills have uh, still a shot at hosting a home playoff game. If they can beat New England this week, in New England, which I I have a funny feeling about this one. I think this one's going to go in our favor. I have no rational reason to think that. I don't think the Bills are a great team. I think they have not really beaten a great team this year. If you want to count Kansas City as a great team, that part in the season, okay, I guess we can listen to that. But, you know, we've beaten up on some bad teams and any team that's put up any fight against us, we've lost. Uh, It's true. I think maybe all but one of our losses have been less than one score. But that's drought error thinking. We got to win these games. We got to win this game against New England. And I don't want to go in to the playoffs as a wildcard team. But if we were, I think the matchup I'm trying to keep my eyes on is Tennessee. I want to match up against Tennessee 
And, you know, with three games left, I think Indy still got a big hole to climb out of to catch basically two more games from Tennessee. Not sure that's going to happen. If we're a wild card team, I want that matchup in the first round because I think that's an easy matchup for us. We'll get some, a little bit of a revenge game there. They've kind of been frauds most of the year, I believe. Even when they beat us, it was pretty fluky. But, I mean, I think I'd, as most of us, I'd rather have the home game and, and look to uh, take on somebody else. But I, I'm kind of of the opinion that if we host a home game and we get a matchup of somebody like Indianapolis... I don't like the way that feels. I don't like the way that feels at all. Indianapolis just handed it to another good defense in New England. Of course, we know what Jonathan Taylor did to us when, when he was here. Uh, it really would be difficult. It, by the way, they did that at home. <laughs> they did it in the same stadium if we get matched up with Indianapolis. Uh, we really have to get up and score big on them early so we can take the run game out of it. If we have any shot to win against them in the playoffs, uh, that's all a little bit premature, but I'm starting to look forward into those kind of things. It's that time of year where you start trying to, in your head, you know, kind of play out some scenarios. And, and that's just a couple of things that I'm looking at. I don't want Indianapolis, want no part of Indianapolis, even at home. Uh, I would really like to have Tennessee, but I think for that to happen, we'd have to be the wildcard team. So it's possible that even winning the division could hurt us in some ways. It's such a weird year in the AFC and in the NFL in general. But, um, you know, I, I guess we're in a better place than we were, even if, you know, our expectations have fallen way short of where many of us hope. There are people predicting us to go to the Super Bowl, you know, AFC Championship game. I, I thought maybe we overachieved just a bit last year, uh, but we are a perennial playoff contender, and we have to remember that that is a much better place than where we were during the drought years. And it is true, you can get into the playoffs and anything can happen, and that is true. But I don't want to get into the playoffs hoping for that kind of mentality. I'd rather get into the playoffs thinking that we are a strong matchup. And I don't know that I feel that way about this team. I think we have the potential to be that, but we've not shown it this year. We've not put together back-to-back -to -back wins since, I think, early October. And we have lost to almost every good team that we've played. We have struggled against some bad teams. We've lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's hard for me to feel very confident with this team and the offensive line, which, by the way, Spencer Brown mentioning the offensive line, you got to cut him a little slack. I know he's gifted athletically, but he's been a right tackle for his life, and we basically threw him in with very little notice to play the left tackle, and he had a rough day. He had a really rough day. He was getting beat consistently. And, um, you know, the, the taunting call, you know, I don't like that he got the taunting call. The taunting call there is right. I think that he deserved it. But I think that we've, people, we've seen people get taunting calls for way less. And I think that we've seen more egregious taunting calls not get called. So this is another week where we have plenty to complain about with the refs. And I'll, I keep saying this. The taunting call is ridiculous. It's, I've said it since it was announced. It was never going to be applied consistently. And at this point, it's just a tool in the referee's pockets for them to influence the game when they think they need to. That's what it feels like to me. It's applied so inconsistent and maddeningly arbitrary all the time. What's a taunt? What's not? Cam Newton can dance at midfield, and that's not a taunt. 
I, I don't know. I Like I said, I, Spencer Brown did deserve that taunting call. It's ridiculous for him to be in that position anyway. He was having a rough day and, and to take a taunting call like that. And I've said this before. I, I, I'm a big supporter of Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott is a good coach. He is largely flawed. There are many things he needs to get better at, at being an NFL head coach. This is his fourth or fifth year as a head coach. And there's still some things that he hasn't gotten better at. You know, some game day stuff, calling timeouts, clock management. And I'm going to say you should be able to coach some of those taunting calls out. You should be able to send a message to your team that that stuff's not going to be tolerated. And I know, I know that we don't get called on them a lot, but just because it is so maddeningly called inconsistently that I think that you don't want your guys doing that. And I think that you got to start sending a message. We should be sending a message with Jerry Hughes and he's not on the field as much, but if he was, you know that he'd be getting some unsportsmanlike conduct calls because that's what Jerry does. But uh, I'd sure like to see some of that stuff kind of pulled back as a head coach. It's not affecting us really. It's really not. But I just think the potential is there because it is a tool for the referees to use just whenever they feel like they need to. But we are on to the New England Patriots, and the season's kind of got a little bit of a new life because of the gift that we got from the Colts on Saturday nights, and their win against, well, honestly, it was a win against a, a very bad team with that didn't even have a place kicker. We should have won that game, but we're really going to be put to the test. This will be two wins in a row, and, and you can insert the Lou Brown clip here. Uh, that's two in a row. That's called a win streak. It has happened before. <laughs> All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. But it's 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 the biggest game that we've had all year. You know, I, I suppose you could make the argument that the first New England game was that too. But this is this is that same game again. And it counts almost twice for us because that means we have a shot at the division and we control our own destiny if we beat New England, with the final two games being the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Jets, two of the most gimme games that you can draw up. But with this team. In this offensive line, none of these games are gimmies, but I'm still liking our chances, and I'm I'm excited. Start looking at playoff scenarios. Start looking at doing some of the math, playing with the playoff machine, and, and seeing who we could end up with in the first round if things go right. But right now, there's such a big variance between having the home game and winning the AFC and also being out of the playoffs or taking the seventh seed. So there's a really big variance going on right there. So I'm, I'm trying to keep an eye on some of the other, you know, five through nine teams to see how things are shaking out. That's it. You know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this win. I'm not too excited. It didn't really move the needle for me, but a win is a win and I'm glad to have it. We need every win that we can get. And Looking forward to next week. Next week, I'll be a little bit more excited to talk about this game, hopefully, if we win. But for right now, I want to get you over to Justin Goddard with Real or Silly. And I do have that great hot seat for you this week as well. I got 
Justice General, who you all know and love, is one of the most beloved members of the Mafia because he's just so personable and likable. Uh, I'm not sure I even know anybody that doesn't like Justice. And the always witty, always funny, and you know, just one of the people that I love the most in the Mafia as well. Uh, back of the herd. He used to be BFF Jeremy, and uh, I, he's always a good time in the hot seat as well. So without further ado, here is the Mafia hot seat. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, is it real or is it silly? Silly, adjective, laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. All right, Bill's Mafia, back at it this week after taking last week off. Joining me on the podcast is my partner in crime, Justin Goddard, over from the Wandering Buffalo. Justin, how are you this week? Uh, I'm doing much better this week. Uh, I apologize for the absence last week. Had some uh, some things come up that had to be dealt with, and the timing just really didn't line up, but Glad to be back with you this week. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm always better than I deserve. You know, I can't complain. But I have plenty to complain about, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not happy with the reps. I'm not happy with Brian Dable. I'm not happy with the offensive line. But you know who I'm happy with? Josh Allen. And probably your guy, Motor Singletary. He had a decent day. Yeah, we surprised. Cause we didn't try to run the ball just to decide we were going to run the ball. Like, Oh, I guess it's time for a run play. Let's put the ball up the middle because that's what we're supposed to. It's a wasted play every single time. And this week we did the exact opposite. Like whenever we ran, they're like, Oh shit, we weren't expecting that. (laughs) And they have running backs back there. I haven't seen them all game. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what happened. And um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's a sustainable formula for ever, but we could probably get by the rest of the year for it. But uh, I guess I'd rather have that because it's a wasted down. Every time we run play up the middle, it's a wasted down. Oh, yeah. Um, listen, I, I heard some some backlash against Dayball for not calling any run plays in the first half. And I just want to say that I am all for it. <laughs> Firing Dable? No, just well, yeah, we can fire Dable too. But th- throwing every every down in the first half, I'm I'm here for that. Yeah, I loved it. I, I loved it. I was fine with it. Yeah, I, I, it was literally like our strategy last year because we didn't have great running back play, and for some reason we felt like it couldn't possibly work again this year. Weird. Let's let's bring all of the same offensive linemen back. We'll just be better. Yeah. Why? I don't know but we'll be better. We'll just 
continuity. Throw yeah. that one out there. <laughs> Which is a great segue, Justin, to our first question this week. So question number one. Question one. Brian Dable returns to the Buffalo Bills as the offensive coordinator next year. Is that real or silly? I'm on the fence with this one. I I think there is something to be said for continuity and what he's been able to accomplish with Josh Allen in his first few years. But I feel like end of last season, we were talking about Dayball not being around because he was going to get a head coaching job and he was the sought after guy and realistically probably would have got a head coaching job had we not made it to the AFC championship game. I think there was a lot of teams that really want to fill that position and won't wait Um, to this year. I see a scenario where he could get fired. So I'm going to say silly and question one. I, I feel like there's some sort of growing disconnect between uh, McDermott and Dayball. And I, I just feel like McDermott kind of wants the identity of the offense to be different. And it just feels to me like they're not really on the same page and the offense is still having some success. Yes. But when we look at, you know, the red zone struggles that we've had this year, um, a game like we just had against the Buccaneers where, you know, we struggled so much on third downs. I just feel like the that finish the drive mentality is a little bit different this year. And when you have all the pieces in place that you want in place and players for the most part, it it ends up somebody's got to go. And I, I, I feel like there's a rift growing between Dayball and McDermott. And I don't, I don't think he makes it back next year. I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I agree with you. I go back a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, whatever it was after the Patriots game and the press conference where we talked about, or McDermott talked about red zone struggles. And I think he was serious. I think he was frustrated. And I think he wants to see more from us in the red zone. Um, Brian Dable last year. Oh, how creative was is he? He's doing different things and he's running different plays and he's doing the motion jet sweep stuff. And that's fantastic. It's all gone this year. Really no creativity. No. I mean, just like you and I were just talking about before we came on air run game basically is jam the ball up into nothing. And because you're just obligated to try run play and wasting a play. And I don't know where all this talk's coming from. I maybe, I'm just out of the loop. I I don't know if this is a real thing or if we're just speculating that McDermott wants to be a run heavy physical team. And he's kind of forcing Brian Dable to do that. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think there's probably a almost a 50 50. Like I don't think he's back, but I think he either gets fired or he still has done just enough to get another look as a head coach somewhere. I think it's probably more likely that he gets fired, but he does have a good offense because we have Josh Allen Right. So I think you could go out there and be the offensive coordinator, Justin, and you could probably do well. I think I'd do okay. I would call some uh, an occasional in breaking route, maybe a, a quick slant or two. Um, but I'm glad you brought up the McDermott press conference because um, I, I feel like that's the most 
vulnerable and honest we've ever really seen Sean McDermott. Um, and the I, I liked seeing the frustration because, you know, we usually get the post game. You know, if we lose a game, it's, you know, we weren't good enough today. That starts with me. We got to be better. That starts with me. And, you know, for better or for worse out of that press conference, I'm not really like one to enjoy the finger pointing and stuff after the game. But seeing that honest version of McDermott, that's like, hey, we had every chance to win this game and we didn't execute. We didn't convert. It was it kind of spoke to me of like what I was seeing on the couch. So like, well, how many opportunities do we have to have to win the game that we don't finish? And um, this brings back the Patriots game to me even more of having seen the Buccaneers game where we were so content on having Josh Allen be the running back because our running backs aren't all that effective. Like where was any of that in the Patriots game, which, you know, a win in that game would have completely changed how I'm feeling after this Buccaneers game. And we just didn't see that creativity. We didn't see, we didn't really see the play calling to get it done. And I just feel like that's kind of been, been a theme this year. The offense just feels very vanilla compared to what it was last year. I think, and I am a big Sean McDermott supporter. I think he's a good coach, but he has lots of criticism that I think he has to take blame for as well. Being not aggressive a lot this year. And in the, in the first quarter, I think it was of the Bucks game where they decided to go for field goals at that point in the game. It's like, you know that you're going to be in a shootout, but you're settling for field goals. McDermott, you have one of the best quarterbacks in the game and you're, you're, you're waving the white flag really early in that game. So there's plenty of blame to go around and I, maybe, maybe McDermott could talk himself into sharing some of that blame and keeping Dable around another year. But I think he's, I think he's gone either because he's fired or I still think, honestly, that's a weird thing to say, but I think he could either be fired or get a head coaching job. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree with that. And it, it sounds crazy to say, but you know, that's, that's just how the NFL works. And somebody, even if he did get fired, I think there's still a team out there that would see what he was able to do in the past few years with Josh Allen. And even if he was fired would still take a shot on him as a head coach. Yeah. I I mean, I wouldn't want my franchise to be under Brian Dable, but I don't have to worry about that because I got Sean McDermott. Hey, question number two, Justin question two, because I think this is you and I were also talking before we came onto the air, how I am a little bit upset because I feel like we're moving the goalposts. We came into the year Many of us thought we were going to the Super Bowl. Many of us thought we were number one overall seed in the AFC. We were definitely winning the AFC East. I would have put a lot of money on that. But now it's just like, well, you know, we control our own destiny. If we went out, we can still hang on to that seven seed. And that is loser mentality to me. But Justin Goddard, the Bills will win the next four games. Is that real or is that silly? Uh, I... I want to say it's real, but I I have to say it's silly. Um, A bunch of silliness. Just based on what we've seen from this team this year, you know, it's kind of, 
which version of the bills are you going to get? You know, and, and there's just a chance every week that you could either get that, that first half against Tampa, or you could get the second half against Tampa. And if the team looks like the team we saw in the second half of that game, I think they easily win the next four. Um, if we have any semblance of looking like the first half, I think there's a chance we drop one of these games. And realistically, I think all four of the remaining games, not only are they winnable games, I think, I guess maybe with the exception of New England, we should be the favorites to to win these games. Um, but I'd be lying if I didn't say that my confidence in the team was a little shaken after you know, some of the losses that we took out there and in particular a, a team like Jacksonville, um, you know, that's a game that pretty much nobody in the NFL would have picked the bills to lose. And then you look at, you know, a game against Atlanta game, another game against the jets. Like I want to look at it and be like, yeah, that should be an easy win. I don't even really have to tune in. But when you have a loss to a team like the Jaguars on, on your resume, it, it, it makes me start to question, you know, what we look like down the stretch. Yeah. It's hard for me to feel confident. Even if you look at the schedule, Panthers, Pats, which that game shouldn't go the way that it did last time. We should not be playing in the same elements. You know, Belichick's not going to try to run the ball in every play. And I think it, when Mac Jones drops back the pass, I think that's a win for us. I think I'd rather them run the ball, honestly, as much crap as we heard about that game uh, the week before. I think, I think that that's a game play. I think that's, that's a win for the bills. Um, the Falcons. I at one point thought that that, that could be a trap game. I don't feel like that anymore. And then of course, closing the season with Zach Wilson on a jets team. That is one of the worst teams in the NFL. So, on paper, you look at it and you say, yeah, that's easy. We should, but how do we feel confident about this team? And I, I, like you mentioned the Jacksonville loss. I don't know. I feel like we can lose any game because we are one of the most penalized teams. We might be the most penalized team in the NFL. I'm not sure. Um, we, <laughs> we were just, our pass rush is just so inconsistent and mostly not there. I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to say yes, but I, I don't, my heart's not in it. Yeah, I, I could very, I would be just as surprised if we went four and O's, if we went like two and two, like it, it, it just wouldn't surprise me in either direction. And I guess part of me wants to look at what we were able to do. You know, obviously we didn't finish the comeback, but be able to look at, you know, how we gotten ourselves in a position to be close to winning that game and hope that that second half carries over through these last four games. And then, you know, maybe, maybe in four weeks, we're talking a different story about, you know, this team got hot at the right time and now they're in the playoffs and can they keep that going and make some noise? I just, I, I kind of gotten to the point where I'm back to, I need to see it versus just having the blind confidence in the team that I had at the beginning of the year. I, Josh is the key to everything, right? He was the reason why we did as well as we did last year. And I'm hoping that that one half against Tampa Bay brings the magic back out and, and pulls that Josh back to us because you and I might've talked about this before, or maybe it was just me rambling on my podcast, but 
when you look at Tom Brady, when he's down coming out for a fourth quarter drive or when his team's down in the fourth quarter in general, you can't even tell that Tom Brady it knows that he's down. Like he, I don't think his blood pressure goes up at all. Like he is as cool as they come in those big situations. And that's not to say that he doesn't ever get animated because you've seen him scream at some refs and he can yell at other players and he does have that in them. But specific to when the pressure's on, this is big boy time, time. Tom is as good as they come with Josh. It's different. It almost feels like he not forcing it. I'm not sure I'm articulating this correctly, but you can tell that he is, he can tell that he's feeling it and he's coming out and he's excited. And it's just a different way that he's handling that fourth quarter. If that makes any sense. And I want Josh to become that Tom. And then I'll have to, I'll feel much better. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying on Josh there. I, I feel like he gets into this, uh, like a, like a change of personality where he's like, all right, I'm going to go out. And it's, it's what we saw with Tampa Bay. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this team on my back right now. I got to go do all of this um, versus Tom Brady's just game on the line. Always looks like he's just playing another drive and, He's not trying to force anything that's not there. It's just every every drive, whether it's the first drive of the game or 30 seconds left to win a Super Bowl, he looks cool, calm, and collected. And he's just going out there and running the offense and running the plays that are called. Um, versus Josh, like, yeah, those heroics are fun to watch. And just watching him go beast mode to put the whole team on his back, it's just – it's just a different feel of like, well, either Josh is going to go out there and do this or, or we don't have it versus, you know, Tom Brady just working within the offense and and just letting the other pieces do as they're supposed to do, I guess. Okay. On to question number three, Justin. Question three. And I like this question because... Well, I'll tell you why here in a minute, but (laughs) we are playing the Panthers this week. As of right now, I still believe that Cam Newton is the starting quarterback of that team, but I suppose that could change between now and then. And we saw what Cam Newton was last year with the New England Patriots. We saw him get benched twice already this year since he's come back to Carolina. And we know all about who Cam Newton is as a person and his skills are clearly declining. Justin, do you think he has a job next year, either as a backup, or as a starter? Um, so I guess I would say my answer would be silly as a starter and real if he's a backup. Um, but I think that kind of depends on Cam Newton. And I've always kind of been a fan of Cam Newton. You know, a lot of people don't like his his fashion and his antics and whatever. And and I've always kind of liked him as a player and it's kind of, it's hard to watch him fall so hard so fast. Um, but part of what I respect about him is he wasn't really willing to settle for a backup job this year. You know, he still wanted to start. And I feel like if he's in the position next year where he has that same mentality where he doesn't want to, you know, go be a backup and, mentor a young quarterback and see if he gets an opportunity. I feel like the competitor in cam 
if he's not getting a starting job, he'd rather hang it up. So to me, I think that hinges on what he decides to do, but I, I don't think there's going to be any teams lobbying for him to be a starter for their team, at least week one. If, if, you know, if somebody gets injured early in the season, they make a phone call. I think that's a different story, but I see him probably hanging it up before he signs on to be a backup somewhere. Yeah. I don't think anybody's interested in him at this point at all, either as a starter or as a backup. And you indicate, I mean, he doesn't want to be a backup anyway. And what kind of person, when you get cut from a team, needs to go out and have an interview as to, well, it's because I'm a distraction. And yeah, it's because you're a distraction, but you couldn't keep yourself under control enough to do the right thing, recognize where you're at in your career and help Mac Jones. You didn't want to do that. You know, I don't know. He's, he's, he's got to have the eyeballs because I feel like that's who he is. He just, he wants, some people say he likes to have fun and he's just a fun guy and he likes playing football. He's, uh, he's an attention grabbing diva and he doesn't have any of the skills to back it up anymore. But I'll tell you where the comparison gets a little scary for me is because I was a cam fan when he entered the league and I see a lot of parallels between him and Josh and running and taking hits and getting beaten up. And uh, I don't want that to happen to Josh. So I am, we're all, you know, right now we're all happy with uh, the way that we are running the ball with Josh in the Tampa game. I want to see less of that going forward, not more. Maybe situationally in the red zone. I don't mind seeing it maybe on a on a fourth down or a quarterback sneaker, you know, sparingly. But I don't want that to be our rushing offense because I don't want him to end up like Cam. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think I think that the running ability is part of what makes Josh a special quarterback. Um, but we've also seen him develop more into um, I don't want to say a pure pocket passer because he's he's still using his legs to extend plays and whatnot. Um, but he's shown the ability to to get it done with his arm just as well as he can with his legs. Um, so I think Cam Newton is kind of the cautionary tale of Josh Allen here, where all it takes is you know a few of those extra hits, and all of a sudden you're not who you used to be. And I think this off season is a big one for the Bills and. You know, you got your quarterback, you've extended him, you've given him the big, big money, and you kind of still have this makeshift offensive line that you haven't really invested heavily into. You haven't really made an investment at the running back position to to kind of help him out. Um, so I think, you know, this this past offseason and draft, we went like all defense and and really tried to bolster the other side of the ball. And I think it this offseason needs to be the other side of the coin where you put all your assets into, you know, a, a true running back that, that can help him out in any situation and an offensive line that's going to keep him clean. Yeah. Give him the money and then help, help set him up to succeed. And we sort of forgot about that last year because we thought – well, everybody's back. We're going to be good again, right? We were good last year. Well, were we? You know, we had Josh. That was great. But a lot of other deficiencies on the team last year that are coming back to bite us. All right. Justin, do you have anything else for me? 
Uh, no, I don't have any bonus questions this week. Uh, I'm just really kind of trying to get to this Panthers game and just get the feeling of another win. And, and hopefully we can carry that through to the end of the season. Start looking at the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Can't even win a game. You want to talk about the playoffs? <laughs> All right. Well, Justin, it's good to have you back. Um, don't miss any more, man. I only have a few more of these left. I'm under my belt. I, I won't miss any more. You got me on the hook for that. I promise. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can find Justin every Wednesday and Thursday on the Wandering Buffalo right here on this podcast network. Justin, what is your Twitter handle? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. All of them are at jgods22. And if you're listening to me, why aren't you following Justin yet? You should go follow Justin, Andrew, and the Wandering Buffalo. Get on that. Like, share, subscribe, tell a friend. Get it out there. All right. Justin, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed every week, my friend. We will talk to you next week. Thank you. Go Bills. Go Bills. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right. Bill's Mafia, I am joined today by one of my favorite podcasters and built in Buffalo, brother. And the reason why I came to the network, Justice General. Justice, how are you, my man? I'm awesome, man. I appreciate the invite as always. Uh, it's always a pleasure working with you, Vince. You're you're the greatest. Whether you want to admit it or not, you're, you're the greatest. So appreciate the invite. Well... I appreciate the kind words, but uh, it's way, way not true. And that's very, uh, that's very much too much credit for Mr. Vince Taylor to have. But I, I just, I words. have one request. Okay. It's that you let me give your Hall of Fame speech when it, when it comes to that. Okay. I want to be the guy who like introduces you. Okay. Is that cool? <laughs> sure. Fine. Whatever. All right. Cool. Awesome. All right. So we got a plan. We got a plan in motion. <laughs> I know you'll be here in person because you have all the airline miles from all the traveling. You do, so <laughs> you gotta be good for something. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, yeah. It's it's been uh, really fun. I'm very proud to be part of this network. You guys have been really good to me. The podcast team, especially a lot of the guys on the YouTube channel, like. Uh, it's it definitely was a fun experience, and I'm glad that I did it. And the reason why I do it is because I live in Indiana, and I'm bored and i don't have any bills fan friends so this platform has connected me with a lot of other bills fans in the mafia and you know just getting to talk to other people is just it's been a lot of fun so i'm very appreciative of all of the nice things that you 
you've done for me. And uh, you're the one, the reason why I came to the network. So I'm very appreciative of that justice. Hey man, uh, I'm super happy that you decided to, you know, join us. Um, you know, you're obviously one of my favorite people, let alone just podcasters. And um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I got to meet you, bro. All right. Well, enough of this fluffy stuff. Let's go ahead and get started. <laughs> All right. So you know the drill. I got 10 questions. You're the first one to go this week. I have a feeling I know which number you're going to take. And by the way, I don't rearrange. These are completely random. So which one would you like? Oh, man, I feel pressure. Um, <laughs> uh, let's go with, you know what? I think I'm going to surprise you. Let's go with Marquez Stevenson. I'll go five. I did not see that coming. <laughs> all right i like this question because it kind of piggybacks off i think another question but you and i i think agree on this right now our biggest issue is the offensive line we are very one-dimensional uh, josh often doesn't have the pressure or the time he needs before he's pressured to to do his thing but I'm concerned because the salary cap is tight next year. And, you know, I think it's a lot to ask to rebuild the entire offensive line over one off season. Can it be done? Sure. But there's not without some risk involved. So justice, why don't you make me feel better how we're going to revamp the entire offensive line in one off season. Ooh. Mm. Okay. Well, you know what? Tampa Bay's offensive line before Brady got there was, was awful was putrid um and you know Jameis complained about it and and you know everybody talked about it it was bad and once brady got there they they drafted you know tristan Wirfs, if i'm not mistaken uh you know they went and they got some big mammoth guys and now they have like a fortress and, and brady is sitting behind that fortress he barely ever gets pressure it's like it's not like brady's mobile so he doesn't need to you know move anywhere he can't move i mean well he ran against us a little bit, but um, <clears throat> see, I am. Uh, I don't think that we need a whole bunch of like skill guys. You know what I mean? Like we have an amazing wide receiver room, Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Mayo Sanders, Cole Beasley. Uh, and then even guys like Hodgins, I think has a ton of potential. I think mm, Kumaro is, is okay. I'm not, I don't think he's going to be like a major part of our future. Um, but, my point in saying that is I think that was second most important to having Josh Allen. Cause we, we have Josh Allen. We have, as I keep referring to him as a unicorn, we have a unicorn at quarterback. So I think most importantly, outside of having Josh Allen is to be able to protect Josh Allen. And I think despite of, we already have Stefan Diggs and he's not going anywhere. Right. I think that that's the one guy we need to keep. We got Gabriel Davis on a rookie contract. I don't think we need to go out and get any more like skill guys. Um, maybe draft one in the late rounds. I think we should um, allocate our early picks to protecting Josh. Um, and I feel like almost, I don't want to say any wide receiver, but I feel like a wide receiver who has potential, but isn't super great. Uh, could still thrive on this team simply because Josh is the quarterback. People have to look out for Josh. If we have a fortress in front of Josh the same way Brady has, then not only are you not going to be able to get to him within you know two, three seconds of him finding an open receiver, but then you also have to worry about him you know 
running the ball. So it's either you rush forward and get nothing accomplished or you blitz and get burned because somebody's open. If not, we've seen Josh multiple times make a guy miss and then it's, you know, open season and, you know, he can do pretty much whatever he want from that point. Um, you know, so I think it is of the utmost importance. Um, our defensive line is not great either. And which is very concerning because the trenches are most important thing in football to, to a degree, you know? Um, and I feel like we have a Super Bowl roster everywhere except the trenches. <laughs> like we have the best roster in the league everywhere except the trenches. It's like if you were to take out the offensive line and defensive line, oh, we have the best roster in the league bar none, right? Um, and I don't know if I can make you feel better about whether Beaner will do it or not, but you know, um, I think that he should put a lot of our resources into building a dominant offensive line. Um, I feel like if we were to do that, then, you know, sky's the limit for whatever receiver comes to Buffalo. We would have a much better running game because I don't think that Singletary Moss, I think is talented, but I don't think he's as good as Singletary. So I'm not going to keep defending him. If people think he's trash, I'm not going to be the one to tell you it's not. Although I don't think he is, but I'm not dying on that hill. Um, I think Singletary is really good back. So I feel like if we had that fortress, we'd A, be able to get Josh more time to do whatever unicorn stuff he does. And we'd be able to have Singletary, you know, have more than, you know, 20 yards a game or whatever number it is. Uh, so and I think the wide receivers would whoever it is, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis and who else, whoever else would would still thrive because Josh is back there and he has time and you you have, you know, ample time to get open. So I'm sorry for the long winded response, but um, I, I can't I don't know if I can make you feel better. All I know is that I can say that from my perspective getting a, a dominant offensive line is probably the most pertinent thing that this team needs whenever they can do it. Yeah. Uh, I, it's more important to me than the defensive line because we just Absolutely. paid $350 million to a franchise quarterback, which we've been looking for since Jim Kelly. We have one and we just kind of rolled with the kind of the same stuff that we had last year. That wasn't good enough. And I think that's an indictment on being honestly, but if we are to do it, it's probably going to come in the form of rookies because I don't know if there's a guard out there we're interested in. I don't even know. I don't even know if Mitch Morris's job is safe, honestly. Yeah, that's if, what people keep saying. Yeah, uh, I've, I, I'm, I'm not mad at the signing. We had to overpay to get him, but I just don't think he's very good. Now, if we're going to fill it with rookies, most likely. Rookies are a crapshoot. Is Brandon being good at evaluating offensive linemen? I don't know. Cody Ford was a second round pick and it's surprising to many of us that he's even still on the team. So there's some risks there. Uh, we don't have a lot of room to go out there and snatch a free agent if there's one that we're interested in. But I think on the plus side, I think even having one major upgrade on the interior can go a long way. It doesn't necessarily have to be all three. If we got, let's say, a left guard, that might go a long way to helping it out. Um, I don't know if using Reggie Gilliam more and getting a fullback back there when we want to try to run the ball and mixing in some play action that way is a good thing to do, but maybe it is. 
I don't know. I, I feel like it's worth a shot. Yeah, absolutely. You look at uh, what Nelson, Quint Nelson, uh, did for Indianapolis. You know, he he basically reinvigorated their entire offensive line. Um, guard play around the league is weak. There's not very many good guards in the NFL to begin with. Uh, so he I, and I don't I don't necessarily know if Bean is bad at uh, evaluating offensive line help uh, because you you look at you know Wyatt Teller. Who I'm pretty Quentin sure Spain. he drafted Quentin Spain. Also, you know, these are guys who were given multiple chances um, with the Buffalo Bills, and they were just awful. And then they went elsewhere and became what being thought that they could be. Right. So I'm not sure if offensive line coach Bobby Johnson is the problem. I'm not sure if Brian Dayball is the problem. Um, I'm just not sure. I, I do blame Dayball for the absolutely putrid run offense. I don't care who the offensive line coach is. It's your job to coordinate the offense. Um, and, and you draw plays, you you should have a better answer for a run game than what we have been doing. There's no reason that our guards are the weak spot on our offensive line and you run dives. There's no reason for it. You know, so um I am I uh, I, I kind of feel like Bean, he definitely is going to get some blowback this offseason, which he deserves because, uh, you know, keeping the entire roster intact, uh, although it was a COVID year, I don't know how much he could have done. You know, getting back Matt Milano was huge. Uh, Getting back Taron Johnson now that we see what he can do was was huge, Um, you know, so I'm not sure how much he could have done in the COVID season, but bringing back all of the same guys was clearly a problem, you know? So um, we'll see what he does this off season. They, they get a little bit more money, not much more, but again, I feel like when you have Josh Allen, uh, you, you can cut a lot of corners. You know what I mean? Um, you, you don't have to be, you know, have an all-star wide receiver lineup when you when you have Josh Allen. A mediocre wide receiver can be pretty good on this offense. We look at what John Brown did, you know, he was the number one receiver. He had a thousand yard season two years ago. He would have had a thousand yard season last year if not for injuries. And now he's not even on an NFL roster. You know, so clearly we we see that you know Josh Allen makes guys better. You know, there's like five, six, seven guys in the NFL right now who have had their best season of their career with Josh Allen. Um, I feel like if we had a better offensive line, Emmanuel Sanders would have had, and he still might, I'm not sure what his best season looks like off the top of my head, but he would have most certainly had one of the better seasons of his career in Buffalo here. If, if Josh had time to throw the ball, we look at the connection they have and it's a, it's a pretty damn good connection. Um, you know, so, um, I do hope that Bean can, he's, you know, we've seen him be a wizard. And uh, we've we seen him do things that we didn't think were possible. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to count him out. I don't think that Bean deserves to be fired or anything crazy like that. But, you know, there, there he's, he does have some things to answer for. You know, I'm not saying he's totally absolved of everything. Um, although I, I do, you know, see what the difficulties he was faced with. But ultimately, I do think that he recognizes what, what we have in Josh Allen. And I, I would hope that... I, Bean is a lot smarter than me when it comes to football, right? So I would hope that he has the same mindset I have in terms of 
protecting Josh is the most important thing. Um, and, you know, really, Deion Dawkins is the only guy that's probably safe on our offensive line. And I think that might only be because he got paid already, you know, so not really sure what they do there. Uh, Spencer Brown was a rookie, so he'll probably most certainly be back. Um, and he has potential, he, you know, he whiffs a little bit, but he has potential ultimately. So um, I don't mind putting rookies on the field if rookies are going to be good. You know, we see Makai Becton. We see, you know, Tristan Wirfs when he was a rookie. You know, we, we see uh, Panay Sewell looks pretty decent. Um, you know, we, we see guys who, who come in. Those are high draft picks. But, you know, oh, oh like uh, Zach Vaughn from, from Buffalo Fanatics loves the guy. Uh, What's his name? Eichenberg. And that guy looks really good. And he wasn't even a high draft pick. I believe he's like a second rounder. So there's talent, you know, uh, it's just about evaluating the talent and, you know, being able to, to, to do what you have to do to bring them in and being as good at that. And you know, he, he uh, often finds guys who are undervalued and, you know, he, he, he drafts them. So, you know, we'll see if he can do the same thing with offensive line talent. I would like to see, quicker passes and i don't think I, I this is me being subjective i don't have to write about this this is just my thought but I, I don't think josh is as comfortable making that quick read and getting the ball that quickly sure he's done it in short bursts but i think he likes running out of the pocket and finding somebody and hitting trying to go for the long ball uh, but I, I might like to see a little bit more of that and i think that's another way to compensate for having a, a subpar offensive line is not having all these long developing routes. Now you look at, you look at Diggs. This is not a knock on Diggs. Diggs is obviously one of the best receivers in the NFL, but it's not like he's going out there and beating his guy in the slant. He's going these double moves and these little juke steps and he's losing his guy. That's not a quick pass. Do we have the wide receivers to do that? I don't know. Beasley's kind of the same thing. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That doesn't have to be right. I, uh, maybe someone can tell me I'm wrong there, but that's just a feeling. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at the, the first half of the Buccaneers. You know what? I feel like the Buccaneers game, both halves are kind of like um, they they kind of speak to who Josh Allen is as a quarterback uh, almost perfectly. Right. We look at the first half and he is under absolute duress you know there's this pressure from everywhere he's waiting for these long developing routes to you know develop and uh you know he he's paying the, the price you know with with taking sacks taking hits and you know you threw the one interception um but then the second half he he started with those those quick routes you know he he got slants to cole beasley and gabriel davis um i think stefan diggs even had one slant um, but I, I think you're absolutely right at the same time. You know, Josh does like to move the pocket. You know, he he likes to run out and, and make, you know, crazy plays that only Josh Allen can make. You know, so I think he likes in uh, emphasizing the type of quarterback he is, which is a magician. And I don't – but the, the thing about Josh Allen, which makes him a unicorn, is that he can do the, the short – you know, passing routes, uh, you know, we, like we've seen in the second half versus Tampa Bay, he absolutely destroyed Tampa Bay with the uh, the read option, right? Uh, I'm sorry, RPOs, um, read pass option. 
run pass option. <laughs> he he destroyed Tampa Bay with those. You know, the, he pulls the ball out of the belly of the running back. He sees that, you know, the linebackers have come up to read the run. Uh, you know, Gabriel Davis is 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 on a single uh, coverage and he's running across the middle. Boom, touchdown. Same thing with Cole Beasley. He threw some very tight passes to Cole Beasley in the RPO uh, when he saw that linebackers were, were coming up and, and reading the run. Uh, and not only that, but, uh, you know, the he, he also killed Tampa Bay with his feet, uh, which was more so the threat that I believe the linebackers were looking for more so than the running backs, you know, in, in the RPO. But either way, he's a good enough quarterback and he has a skill set that's big enough to where that is something that you have to take account for. You know, you you have to be honest, you know, you, you have to make sure, hey, OK, this quarterback's not going to beat me. You know, OK, all right. You know, seven yard pass over over the middle, um, you know, over our linebackers head. But uh, my point in saying all this is that Josh can do both. But I agree with you. I do believe that he feels like like he he's more comfortable and he would prefer to to do the former way, which you you uh, spoke about, um, you know, moving the pocket, getting out and waiting for those, you know, double moves and and uh, longer develop routes to run. And if we had a good old line, they might work a little better. So, <laughs> you know. OK. Well, Justice, I don't know how much more you made me feel better because that was a tough kit. <laughs> that was that was a tough ask. Um, but I appreciate the attempt. Do you have anything for me? Oh, man. Um, yeah. You know what? I, I'm really interested to hear because you're you know, we, we spoke about it on. Um, you know, uh, what was we? Oh, it was the windshield factor, actually. Uh, we spoke about the referees on the windshield factor and you're kind of like the other half of me. You're the more you know, level-headed, calm guy, you, you, you look at the game in a more logic. We, I think, I believe I look at it in a logical way as well, but you look at it from more of the standpoint of like, not necessarily a Homer and you, you don't jump out the window. Like I do like 16 and no type stuff, you know? So um, where do you think like referees are impacting the game a little too much? I, I, I I'm, I'm like, my head is spinning with the way the referees have coached, or I'm sorry, have, uh, you know, called games against the Bills this year because Tampa Bay wasn't the first time that, you know, that has happened where it was just like blatant missed calls and, and whatnot. So I'm interested to hear what you feel about, like, you know, the referees and how they're impacting games. Well, the, I mean, they're definitely impacting games and, I think it's worse in the last year or so, two years ish. I feel like things are a lot more egregious and blatant. You know, there's all there's bad calls. If referees are human, it's going to happen. They're, I'm not ever expecting anyone to be perfect. I bad calls have been around since I've been cognizant of football, but there seems to be more of them. They're more blatant, and the NFL doesn't seem to have a mind to try to make things better. They don't want to improve. And I, I don't know. I don't know the reason. I don't know how you do it. I don't, I don't even know if more refs on the field is the answer, but that's probably a good start. But when Stefan Diggs is pulling a guy <laughs> that's hanging on his Jersey, like he's going sledding or something. And there's just, nah, that's fine. But then, you know, Levi Wallace 
gets a call when he was it Levi that got pulled into yeah. Mike Evans. There was another one earlier in the game, and Tony Romo thought it was, it was a call. Dane he Jackson. had his it was Dane, he had his back to him, his mm-hmm. hands are in front of him, and that was another instance where the receiver was making contact. Now there could have been something on the route. I did not see that. They didn't show that on the replay, or at least the broadcast that I was watching it, but I didn't see it. And I don't know. There needs to find. There needs to be a way to hold refs accountable for missed calls or, you know, not doing their jobs well. And apparently, there's some kind of rating system. I can tell you right now, it sucks and it's not working. So let's figure out a better way. And it's it is awfully fishy that they they say that they want to do something about taunting. They actually make a point saying we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make that an emphasis, but you don't. So that just feels like that's a card that's in your pocket to just use whenever you feel like. Like if you're not gonna do it consistently then why is it a rule and why are you, you know, it, Cam Newton can go to center field and do a dance. That's not taunting. Right. Clay, Claypool can dance for 10 seconds after a play, but that's not taunting. But Josh spins a football. And, you know, I didn't like the way Brady's, sh- you know, Brady runs for a first down, gets up and slams that football. I, okay. I, I feel like Josh would have got cold on that, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is justice, but I, I don't like complaining about it either. I don't either, but it's just so blatant. You know, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's disturbing. It's like, how do I watch this product when something is so egregiously bad and there's nothing being done about it? You know what I mean? It, it's kind of like, they just, it depends on how they're feeling. If things were more consistent, you know what I mean? Like, even if I don't necessarily agree with the call, but if that's how it's being called, then okay. You know, the, the play you were talking about, the Dane Jackson play, you know, where he literally played the ball perfectly, but he might have had his hand on like the receiver, you know, because they're fighting for position to, you know, get the football. If that's a pass interference, how is the one in the end zone on Stefan Diggs not a pass interference? You know, like things like that, they just don't make sense to me. And it, it just really bothers me because, you know, it, 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 I, I can only imagine how like Saints fans feel, you know, the, the mm-hmm. one play where uh, the guy hits I'm former not, Bill. I'm, uh, who was that? Uh, I can't remember. Nickel yeah, Roby. Nickel Roby Coleman. Yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. He literally tackles the guy before the ball gets there, and nothing is being done about it. Like, I just don't understand why we have dozens of cameras on a football field at one time if we can't utilize them to make sure that these referees are doing their job correctly. And, you know, fairly, because we I, I showed you the clip. I, I'm, I'm sure you probably saw it before, you know, I put it up. But the clip of, you know, Dean Blandino saying, well, I'd rather be mad that the L.A. fan base be mad at me. I'm sorry, the Buffalo fan base be mad at me than the L.A. fan base. And that's disturbing to hear. You know, it kind of makes you feel like, well, hey, maybe they are, you know. First of all, Dean, Bill's yeah, Mafia maybe. is louder than anybody else out there. For sure. Don't Especially L.A. Off. fans. What kind of? <laughs> They don't have fans. I mean, they don't have yeah, fans. They get a new team a every five years. Exactly. It's terrible. <laughs> All right, Justice, my man, I always appreciate you taking a few minutes for me. Why don't you tell – well, if they're listening to me, they already know who you are, and they're probably most likely already following you, but why don't you plug your socials and uh, tell us where we can find all of your good content? I don't know about that because you do have the most successful podcast on our channel, so – yeah, you you probably got a couple more people than you know that, that don't know me. So uh you guys can follow me at JA17 MVP. Um 
just go to my Twitter page and and I'll talk about all the shows that I'm on because I it, it gets tiring after a while saying like four or five different shows. Um, but listen to the Winchell Factor every Tuesday. That is my main podcast. And um, yeah, man, Vince, it, it's a pleasure. You know, as always, anytime you need me, I know. Unfortunately, it broke my heart when you said you're leaving, but I do understand and I'm super happy for you, um, you know, getting the opportunity that you got to go ahead and get your master's. But um, hey, man, anytime you need me on, I know you only got a couple more shows left. Anytime you need me, bro, just just let me know. And um, I, it, you know, next season, you know, if the opportunities pop up, I would love to to do more work with you, bro. All right, man. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And uh, you have an open invite for these last few episodes. Anytime you want on, you just. I will be on every single episode, Vince. So don't say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that, man. You can do it if you want. It's up to awesome. you. Awesome. Then, then we got a plan. I'm on every single episode. All right. So we'll be talking to you next week. Justice General, thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. I always uh, enjoy talking to you. Absolutely. Same to you, Vince. Go, Go Bills. Bills. All right, Bill's Mafia, joining me back on the program this week on the Mafia Hot Seat is another one of my favorite content commuters, content creators in the community, Jeremy at Back of the Herd over from Process on Tap. You know Jeremy because he's been on the show like four or five, six times or something now. I don't even know. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much uh, for having me on. Always happy to do this. I would do it every week if you asked me. Um so yeah, thank you for having me on again. <laughs> well, it's always my pleasure because I always enjoy uh, talking to you and I, I have enjoyed talking to you for the last six or eight months or however long it's been. But uh, yeah, it's always a good time. And I your wittiness and your humor always draws me in. So I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot now. Yeah, a little bit. That's okay though. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing we're not used to. All right, you can have any number you like except for number five. Except for number five, is it between one and ten? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with number number two. Okay. There's a lot of debate on this topic, and I have very strong feelings. I suspect you and I are on the same page, but I'm not gonna lead the witness, so to speak. But you know, we're seeing a lot of problems with the running game for the second straight year. There's folks that want to point blame at the offensive line. There's folks that say that our running backs are trash. Um, Jeremy, what does the running back room look like next year? Um, I don't think Brita will be back. I think if, uh, honestly, I don't, I don't think Moss's spot is saved either. Um, He's been a healthy scratch a few times now, except that one time that Reggie Gilliam was injured. I think that was the only reason that he was brought back. And then once Gilliam was back, he went back to being a healthy scratch. Um, so for that, I mean, Moss would, I'm sure he'll be on the team in training camp in the preseason, but unless he just balls out and looks like a completely different running back, I don't think he's back either. So that being said, um, 
Taiwan Jones will probably be back. I think Devin Singletary will definitely be back along with possibly another draft pick. Um, and that draft pick could be, you know, day two, day three, undrafted, and then like a free agent signing. But I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm already kind of predicting that Moss is not going to be back. And I feel like Breed has kind of fallen off as quickly as he kind of jumped on. Um you know, I think he might continue to keep seeing games like he is, but uh, I he hasn't really been very impressed with the last two games like he was the first couple. I think there's a chance Brita comes back. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know how much of a market there is going to be for him because there wasn't a market for him this past offseason. That's why we got him so cheap. So, you know, we're, we're value shopping again for all intents and purposes. And I think I think Moss is probably gone. I don't know what he's supposed to be doing now because he sucks at running the ball uh you know he's not a great receiver a pass blocking sure fine whatever but um i don't know there's a lot of hate out there for motor that i I can't quite put my wrap my head around because there's plenty of blame to go around but motor's the best one motor's fine Mm -hmm. i think you and i agree on that yeah um and if you listen to you know hansel and i you know for the first half of the season was like every week it was kind of like, hey, who was the better running back this week? And we always, you know, kind of drifted towards uh, Singletary. And I still think that. I think every week he usually has one run that reminds you, like, why the team likes him and why mm-hmm. he was drafted in the first place. Um, has he been consistent? No. Uh, to say he's, like, not good or anything, I don't know. I'd probably... Uh, have to listen to the people who like watch his film and break it down. But I mean, our running our run blocking hasn't been good for the last two weeks. I'm sorry, two seasons. And so as a result, um, the run game has struggled. So anybody who tries to pinpoint it on, you know, their running backs, I just I say, I'm sorry. Like we saw Singletary his, his rookie year. Um, it feels weird that he would just kind of like, drop off and he didn't really drop it off he just slowed down a bit and again just like the run game did so two i'm sorry run blocking so two seasons in a row we're still complaining about the run blocking but you know some people are still saying well yeah the, the running backs need to go too as if oh so they're both just bad coincidentally <laughs> but um again i always think about singletary's rookie year and if he's not going to be great you know that's fine um Maybe maybe he doesn't ever get back to that ceiling, but you know he could always be a decent uh, RB two. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of room between being good and okay and being great. There's there's a lot of room that you know, especially for a rookie contract, and he runs harder than he gets credit for. People don't think he's a power runner. I've seen him plenty of times this year drag people with him, or you know, power through some holes. So he he's good at that now. I don't think he, um, I, I feel like what it is like on the eye test, he doesn't look powerful. He doesn't look like he's, you know, doing a whole bunch. Um, I remember looking at like his college highlights and I remember just thinking like, man, like, is this dude's like skin made of rubber? It just seems like dudes just bounce off of him, you know, like they go and jump out of him and it's just like, it's like slippery rubber or something. Um, so he doesn't look like Zach Moss, who's trying to just, you know, north or south and just like run into like a defender and just like knock him down and stuff um i feel like it's a little more technique but yeah i think he does have some power there i just don't think it's so like overt you know what i mean yeah yeah i agree it's it's more than he gets credit for 
Yeah. And there's it, plenty of runs where, again, he's breaking tackles, like running through guys. He does drag some people. I think he had a run in like the Titans game where yeah, he was like dragging somebody for like a couple yards, you know? And, and I'm sorry, but like he, I feel like he's made more of those, like he's had more like power runs than, you know, business decision Zach Moss, who you just, again, haven't really seen it. He had a great one. I think it was, um, was it the Dolphins where he just laid into a dude and like stopped him and then he kept going for like the touchdown? Was that it? Maybe it has, there's been yeah. so few of those you think that I remember them. <laughs> I think it was that he had that one and, and I agree, like that was impressive. Um, but other than that, like I, I'm sorry, like Singletary's had way more impressive runs and it's interesting how many like Bills fans kind of just ignore that and they're just like, oh, I like Moss better because I, I don't know. It's, yeah, that I understand. Me. Yeah, I like when it comes to playing style. Like I've heard people say, like I like his play style. I like how, you know, it's like how he like how he is. And it's like okay, but he's not being successful with it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I wanted us to draft uh draft Zach Moss. You know, I was listening to everybody because I think we were all expecting to draft like a running back day two and do like a committee approach. Um. And I heard all the smart people talking about Zach Moss, and I was like, okay, I'm on board. I was like, I want Zach Moss, and I was happy when we drafted him. Um, and you know, he, I thought he was, he looked like, uh, he was picking it up throughout his rookie season. I don't think he started off great, but he was looking better. And again, I was all for the, uh, the committee approach, but like I said, the way he kind of dropped off this season and we still just saw so many people just like flocking to like put him up on this pedestal. And I was like, again, I'm not hating on him. You know, Hansel and I always say like, we want him to succeed. We want him to be better, but it just seems like all I guess we just took it as like all the support for Zach Moss was like unwarranted and at the same time was kind of like disrespectful of uh, Devin Singletary. Yeah, yeah, I get I see that a lot and I just don't understand it. And what really frustrates me is the way the two are used, because I feel like there's been many games this year where you can clearly see Singletary is the more successful back. I test stats, whatever you want to look at. And then it's just like, well, we're just going to start giving Moss the ball. Yeah, it made me think of um like Frank Gore. Frank when we had yes, yeah, it or, got, I mean same thing. Frank Gore started off like with that first year, first games like not too bad. Well, I think that first game we got the Jets wasn't great, but he had a couple good performances. And then like the second half of the season, uh, you know, somebody like me, like you know, I don't watch film or break it down, but I would see Gore in the backfield. Like, is what what are they just gonna run him up the middle? And that's exactly what they did, and. And I wonder this season if like Moss was becoming that same thing. Like he was just becoming like that predictable weapon. Like every time he came in um, and I heard some people say like, Oh, well he faces the most stacked boxes. And it's like, well, is it because defense just know what he's going to do? I mean, if he's going to run the ball, it's like, Oh, he's just going to run it up the middle. And, you know, I don't know if it was, if he's just become predictable. Um, but obviously they didn't really care to try and use him other ways. There's he's just been a healthy scratch lately. So again, I'm not hating on Zach Moss at all. It's unfortunate he wasn't successful. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically it. So replacing them going forward, if if Moss isn't back, Tywin Jones, I don't know, he's kind of up. He's pretty up there, even for a special team where I think he's 33 or 34. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know anything about the special teams aspect i don't know i can't tell you like almost like how good any special teamer on our team like is good at their job you know what i mean um it's just one it's like that's the phase of the game that 
I just understand the least and I just, I don't know how to watch it. You know what I mean? So as far as like what Taiwan Jones does again, I, I have no idea how good he is. So that's why I say maybe he'll be back because again, I don't even know. Um, he seems like a guy they like. He's a special teamer. Uh, so I just kind of just make that assumption. So maybe not, maybe they find somebody else. I have no idea where they would find that other person. Um, and like I said, I just admittedly have little knowledge in that area. Yeah. So going into in the next year, I've heard people say, Oh, we're just going to trade for Saquon Barkley. Like, uh, come on, you know, people I love and respect that are smarter than me. I've heard say that. And it's, I, have to check myself when people smarter than me say things and I disagree with them, but I, I can't disagree hard enough on that one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, drafting a running back in round five or six, I'm up for that. I say, who cares? I say it's the, if you get the offensive line corrected, I care less about who's carrying the ball than mm-hmm. I do about who the running back is. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wouldn't want to give away, any draft capital for Saquon Barkley. I know he's talented, but he's his health is a question and I wouldn't want to pick up his fifth year option regardless of how much it is. I uh I th- I know somebody mentioned to me, but I wouldn't want to feel pressure to pick up the the fifth year option. I just say, "Ah, eh, no thanks." Um cuz I'm I'm sure the Giants would want something. I don't think the Giants give up Saquon Barkley for anything other than probably a day two pick right yeah i mean they're gonna want something back for him yeah and i don't want to give that up for just one year a rental yeah so no thanks to that no thanks again his health injuries um i'd much rather see what else bean can do with that pick in the draft yeah i don't think that's very likely that we're going to be going the free agent route because it's just such a replaceable position and why would I want to spend money there when I need to spend money on a defensive tackle or one tech or mm-hmm. a, you know, a guard or a cornerback or even a wide receiver? Because I mean, Manuel Sanders is gone. Yeah. And a lot of people like free agency wise. Um, I know some people wanted like Cordero Patterson Patterson this last off season and he's done really well in Atlanta. I think he's pretty much played himself out of our, uh, our spending pool. Right. Yeah. Like he'll probably get a decent contract and it's like, eh, it's probably not one that, you know, now I, I, I don't know. He, he's pretty versatile. So maybe he's more, maybe he should be looked at as more than just a running back. So maybe, uh, maybe they do make a temp, but I, again, I have no idea what his projected contract would be. Okay. I don't know that we have an answer. I guess we just have to wait and find out because mm-hmm. people smarter than us are going to make all the decisions, I guess. But uh, I just don't want Zach Moss back. That's I'll say that. Yeah. Like I said, the, the healthy scratches, it just, it doesn't bode well. I mean, Harrison Phillips kind of saw a couple healthy scratches, but that was like his year coming off of an ACL, which admittedly like players, you know, not only miss like the entire season from the injury, but when they come back, they, they're still not 100%. Um, but he's doing better now. You know, he missed one or two. But Zach Moss, like, yeah, he's missed, uh, what, like three of the last four now? Something like that? Two of the last yeah. three? Yeah. And and again, one of them, I think, was just because Reggie Gilliam didn't make it. Otherwise, he would have had, uh, you know, three or four consecutive weeks. So I don't see him really 
coming back from that because I mean, again, when Gilliam was out and he came in, I don't think he did much that game either. So, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Like I said, unfortunate is what it is. And unless he just he does something to in these in the remaining of the season, if he finds his way back on the game day roster, but I don't see it happening because again, we still have the same offensive line and. I know that is kind of like another thing that is holding them back, but I mean, Singletary's running behind the same offensive line and he still like looks somewhat capable, you know? Yeah. He's able to make a guy miss every now and then, you know? Yeah. And he, he can pull out a, a seven yard run and instead of, you know, Moss, I just don't feel like he has that. Yeah. And at what Singletary had like a 20 something yard run against the bucks the other day. Um, he had his like 40 something yard touchdown run against the uh, Dolphins, which granted, I think the defense <laughs> Dolphins defense made that easy. But I mean, what's like the best run we've seen Zach Moss, like 15 yards, maybe like has he maybe gotten a 20? It's like it's hard to even think about when you talk about like Singletary's highlights. You can start thinking of them like right off the top of your head. Um, Mosses are very few and far between for me. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Same, same. Yeah, and a lot of people uh, on Twitter, uh, Moss stands like you've seen, a couple weeks ago. They started taking their L's as well, um, so it it kind of feels like it's coming around full circle. And it and again, I'm not rubbing it in on them because I want they got me to want him. Also, it's just that's that's where we're at now. Yeah, I don't I don't mean to rub it in either, but I think that I just don't understand the the loyalty to him Mm -hmm. you know like i i don't understand and the the way that we want to just disregard motor so quickly it's just never made any sense to me yeah and uh, you know a lot of people say like oh the nfl is like a you know what have you done lately for me kind of league Mm -hmm. and for the longest time with zach moss it's like what is he doing for us like again like where is this loyalty like he's not doing anything for us what would you say you do here that's an office reference in case you didn't pick that up. Yeah, that's right. What do you think? But uh, again, I know the offensive line isn't great, but that's, I think, something that I want to see, like the offensive line get turned over, like uh, being tried to turn over the defensive line this past offseason. Yeah. And I say yeah. try because I think, you know, he did a lot, but, you know, are we still seeing the, um, like the result we wanted? Probably not, but he definitely tried. <laughs> Two off seasons in a row, he's put attention to that. Yeah. And it's still not great, you know. Yeah. But anyway, um, Jeremy, you got anything else for me? Ooh, I mean, as far as the uh, the running back room, um, I, I think we covered it. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you, like, what free agents are going to be out there and, you know who I like, who we would like target or anything. You know what I mean? So I won't even go there. Um, if we could afford them anyway. Right. Yeah. I think right now we have like what? 6 million in cap space. Um, like Greg Thompson is really good at like those hypothetical, like contract stuff. I mean, he mentioned uh, restructuring Trey white and like Dawkins could probably free up like, like 10 or 12 million or something like that. So um Again, he's the one to go to for all the things. And those and those are always possibilities, especially those two, because you know, they just got extended. So there is that. But yeah, with six million set on the books. I mean, 
as of right now, that six million has to go to our draft picks, basically. So you can almost consider that like uh, accounted for. Yeah. So after the draft, it's basically zero. Well, thanks for bringing me up, Jeremy. <laughs> so what you're telling me is we can look forward to the same season next year. All right, got it. No, no, no. Like I said, we got the, uh, like I said, just a hypothetical contract restructures. <laughs> and they'll have to, you know. There, there's no way Bean is just going to go into this offseason with just that much and knowing where the holes are. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll so. be a challenge. And it, we're almost... I was just talking to justice, but I think it's almost 100% that we're going to be trying out rookies on the interior line. And I'm, I'm hope we do because you have to take some swings sometimes, but I still think there's risk with rookies. Draft picks are somewhat of a crapshoot because mm-hmm. Mr. Cody Ford is still on the roster. He was a second round pick. Right. Yeah. So we're going to try to do that again. And I, I mean, I, is that better than what we have now? Probably. <laughs> That's not a very high bar to clear though. Is it? Yeah, it'll be interesting, though, to see, you know, if we draft a guard to just let him play guard and only guard and let him develop at guard instead of the whole Cody Ford experiment. Yeah. Anyway, Jeremy, it's always a pleasure. I, I truly enjoy uh, speaking with you. You are one of my favorite content creators. And uh, I, I had you and Justice on the same pod again. And uh, <laughs> I enjoy that. So thank you so much. You're invited on anytime you want these last few weeks, my friend. Oh, well, I, I hate inviting myself, but I'll definitely put myself out there and say whenever you need me, um, I will absolutely jump at the opportunity if uh, if you need it. I appreciate Jeremy. Yeah. Why don't you before you go? Why don't you plug your podcast with Hansel and your socials? Yes, so uh, Hansel and I, we have the uh, somewhat new, I guess, the Process on Tap podcast. We just started a, a couple months ago at the, uh, I guess, the dis- the dissolution, is that the right word, of uh, the Buffalo bootleg. But um, as uh, Vince likes to say, um, the reason I kind of got into this whole thing is because I, I like being sarcastic and dry, and I was like, maybe I can just bring that to like the bills content stuff um and and i do but hansel is a very smart guy you know if you follow him at uber hansen he's always got like really interesting stats he writes multiple articles about all this stuff um so getting him to join and kind of being able to balance it out with the sarcasm and humor with like actual somebody who knows football knowledge um that was really cool to do so it is the process on tap podcast you can find it on spotify apple anchor and i don't know any other places that play podcasts so i'm just gonna say those three things so give it a listen um if you don't like the the latest episode then it's probably not for you because i think we we got a good groove going we're having a lot of fun and uh, we're enjoying it so thank you for all of your kind words and promotion um makes me wonder how many podcasts you actually listen to if i'm one of your favorites but I appreciate it. I I get five or six in a day. Oh wow! <laughs> I work from home and I have the upstairs That's to true. myself, so I I usually have one playing all the time. But if you yeah. don't like what you hear from Jeremy and Hansel, just keep listening until you do. Totally, that's that's a good thing, right? If you don't like something, just uh, make keep trying until you make yourself like it. Nah, it's a yeah. I enjoy. Uh, I've always enjoyed you and, and Hansel. I, I appreciate because 
I don't want to put any that much work in. <laughs> so I, I like that. Yeah. He's the one to go deep in the stats because I don't want to do that. So I'll let him do that. Yeah. And like I said, if you follow Hanzo, just go through his timeline. He is, he's putting a bunch of stats out there like all day. And it's not the, the same run of the mill. It's pretty like um original stuff, I would say. Okay. Jeremy, thanks again, my friend. We'll do it again next week if that's all right with you. Oh, yeah. If you need me, I'll be in. Go Bills. Go Bills. Right, Bill's Mafia, that is it. That is the end of another episode of Buffalo in the Brain. Have no idea why you keep doing this to yourself. You know that this is not good for your mental health. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you, big thank you to Justin. Thank you to Justice. And thank you to Jeremy. I can't do a great show without great guests and you guys make it all possible. Please, please, please be kind to everybody else around you. Squeeze somebody close to you. And just a reminder, that is Christmas week. So I hope you have a wonderful holiday and spend it with people you love because you only have so many days left on the planet and you don't know how many days you have left with those you love. So until next time, Mafia, go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, Please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention. Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cryass. Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends.